ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's up? What's going on? What's good, everybody? We are now checking in. This is the May 16, 2021 episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, the leader of the Boxing Source. You know what it is. You can follow us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, uh, we have uh, the YouTube channel, right? And we got a good number of things here that we're going to be talking about. We got three major topics that we're going to be going over. Um, you know, talking about the live action that happened on Saturday night and looking ahead to, you know, a fight that, you know, some people within the sport of boxing feel like isn't getting that much attention. But we're going to give that particular fight lots of attention. And then to pretty much try to close it out, we're going to talk about what was said earlier today, which kind of like solidified what few of us knew what was going to happen anyway. You just needed a date. But <laughs> we're going to talk about that particular fight at length, too. But wanted to jump into, of course, uh, what happened last night in a fight card that was on Showtime. It was uh, broadcasted on Showtime over in California. And, you know, uh, last week, you know, last week I uh, did kind of have a little bit of a preview of the fight card uh that was on showtime um and i wasn't all too high on you know the uh fight card going into it with the exception of the main event uh we did have one person on that did say you know don't sleep on this uh you know fight card or you know what was going to be uh broadcasted um but I, I I just didn't necessarily, you know, put too much stock into it. But it ended up being a lot better than I anticipated. You know, a lot better than I anticipated. But uh, the thing with the main event there, you know, I'll go into that. I, I, I was you know, a little bit off on that main event. But. Yo, just getting into it, man. I mean, the first fight that was uh, broadcasted on Showtime there, uh, which was uh, held in Carson, California, man. He had Xavier Martinez against Juan Carlos Burgos. 
uh, there in the lightweight division. And, you know, that was a that was a sleeper fight, man. Juan Carlos Burgos came in there to fight and he definitely gave Xavier Martinez a fight. You know, Xavier Martinez came in there undefeated. You know, was pretty much on the rise there in the lightweight division. And Juan Carlos Burgos, you know, was there with uh, four losses. Was He's a veteran, of course. Uh, you know, had his fights against the likes of Devin Haney and Hector Tanajara among, uh, and Mikey Garcia. Uh, and he was like a late replacement for Xavier Martinez. So he only had like about, you know, a week or two to prepare for this particular fight. But he went in there and he gave – he gave a fight to Xavier Martinez. And, you know, I thought it was a good little scrap between both of those guys. There were, you know, multiple times when Burgos was backing up Xavier Martinez, backing him up to the ropes, was able to score, you know, a good amount of times over the course of the fight. Um, you know, when Xavier Martinez had to, you know, dig a little bit to, um, you know, get back at uh, Burgos. Uh, and it did last the full 10 rounds, and it had those scores. And, you know, the scores just, you know, kind of like were full of crap there for some people. Three scores, unanimous, 99 to 91, nine rounds to one for Xavier Martinez. So he's 17 and 0, but Burgo should have deserved more than that uh, there because he definitely took the fight to Xavier Martinez and should have at least got three 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 rounds more three rounds more than you know what was given out there uh real quick wanted to add in a guest in uh you talk about I guess the action that happened last night and then uh we're gonna get into a little bit more here if we got the time but shout out to YSM sports media in the building what's going on hey man how's it going uh chilling man chilling just going over the uh thing that happened on showtime man that first fight with uh xavier martinez and Burgos, man. I mean, I thought Burgos was just gonna, you know, be in there and, you know, just uh, not give the effort that he did uh, against Xavier Martinez. But you know, him being a veteran, he's you know been in a lot of these fights, and it's not like you know he got you know taken out by the likes of Devin Haney or anything like that. Like he's never been knocked out. So you know, he he definitely was there to take the fight to Xavier Martinez and. You know, I thought it was a lot closer than what the judges indicated in that fight. All right, so I can guarantee uh, Burgos is going to get another A-level prospect fight because he's giving these prospects great rounds. He's not stopping them, not hurting them, but giving them great rounds and basically making, basically making their flowers bloom. Like you get a chance to really see what your guy has against him. And while we we all know it wasn't a nine to one fight, but you can already read the handwriting on the wall. They want Xavier Martinez to be a major player. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, he had his uh, you know his fight against Claudio Marrero um, that was like featured in one of those PBC cards last year. So uh, they're trying to you know position. Uh, Xavier Martinez to you know kind of like compete there within that uh, 130 135 pound division. So um, you know we'll definitely see more of Xavier Martinez uh, there in that you know weight class. 
Um, two back-to-back fire cars from PVC. Chris Ariola car. We looked at it on paper, and we had to stop judging fights on paper. But was it? Hold on, what was that? Brandon Figueroa was, it wasn't the fight that I wanted, but it was the fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, I asked for that fight, but I should have. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, man. And I mean, that, that result, like, I, I was kind of, like, surprised at that particular result of that main event, man. And it was just, uh, that was that was a good, you know, action fight, you know, from start to finish there, you know, from from those two. And, you know, the, the, the co-feature about there with former champion, world champion Daniel Ramon and Ricardo Espinosa, that was a, you know, good little scrap, um, especially within those first five rounds. Uh, but you know, after round five, you kind of like seen the difference in you know uh, class between Roman and Espinosa, as Roman was just tagging Espinosa from like round six on, especially with like his you know uh, left uppercut. Man, it was like after like round seven and eight, I thought they were going to stop that particular fight because Espinosa was like his nose was looking a mess, you know, but. He was able to get through those 10 rounds. It was just that he, he didn't have enough to stop Daniel Ramon. And I think that, you know, Ramon is going to, you know, try to get back into that uh, race there for a world title at Super Bantamweight. It's just, you know, there's just so much talent there within that particular division, man. And and we know what's going to happen in, in uh, September 11th. So, actually, he might he might be part of that card on September 11th. Don't be surprised if he's part of that card. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be. I would imagine so. I would imagine that whoever wins, they'll get Daniel Roman and not like a tune up, but you know, in a a, a lower tier fight, like a, a mid tier fight, might be a co main event on somebody's big card. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. And um, the only thing is, I don't, there's like one guy that. It might be lined up for him, but I don't know if uh, Roman would be able to take that particular fight uh, there. Ooh. That's against uh, Ray Salim. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're this, – this is the thing, right? If you're out, would you risk – right? Um, would you risk Salim in, against Roman? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Roman, um, Roman can be, Roman can be Celine. He can. He probably Not sure could. if he will, but he can. But yeah, I don't like at this particular point, I don't, I don't think he'll go ahead and make that matchup. I think it, it may be uh, better off to, you know, keep uh, Roman there uh, in waiting to see what happens after, you know, this unification fight. Uh, let's see here, uh, real quick, checking in. Uh, it should be uh, Brother Mike uh, there uh, while I, um, you know, see if I can get someone else on here in a bit. What up, Mike? 
What's going on, guys? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, I can yep. hear you. Yep, yep. I'm um, quasi. I'm quasi doing some yard work, so I might not say as much. Oh man, he 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 uh doing a whole garden out here, man. Like, come on, man, you be growing like some spinach and you know a side order of carrots. Hey man, you know I'm in the I'm in the subdivision, and everybody else y'all look nice. I'm just like, damn, am I am I missing something? You know? <laughs> hey, hey man, don't don't get Keep those pressing. housing authorities coming after you, man. I'm trying to tell you, hey, somebody knocked on my door another day. Hey, yo, you know you're old. Yeah, we can hear you. you know you're an old head when you start worrying about how your yard looks. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm trying to tell you, man. <laughs> I, I just don't want to get fined. I'm, I just don't want to get fined. I feel you, man. I feel you. So, uh, yeah, real quick, man. Did you, uh, you know, have any assessment of that Showtime card? Uh, their uh, main event, and those other two fights that they showed. Yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously the main event. If you would have saw the beginning of the fight, I, I automatically thought, I thought a few things. Um, Figueroa will probably go down like his brother. He can take the punches from the smaller guys. He can, you know, use his head as a as a blocking mechanism and endure with it now. But the moment he steps up to either a bigger puncher or guys who can really hurt him and, and lay punches down, it's not going to end well for him. Um, he just happened to fight a guy in Luis Neri. That, how could you choose that as the as your game plan? If you know, he had to have known that his gas tank ain't ain't where it needs to be. Throw a hundred punches versus you know, Figueroa obviously can throw a hundred punches for twelve rounds. Like I just. I don't know. I just I, I blame it on somebody. The coaches him for not giving a better game plan to make sure that he had a better chance to to win the fight. I get where he came from. He was winning early, but I mean he had to know that's not sustainable. Like everybody had to know that. I'm a bit disappointed in, in like their strategy to do that because there's no way he was gonna sustain. Like once I start seeing round three, I'm like. Yeah, he look a little, you know, the pre the pre uh, looks of somebody looking winded. You could just see that the beginning of the end is is, is beginning, and you could just see that um, Figueroa was just coming on. He just that slow and steady, 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 steady punishment, steady punishment. So I mean, he did what he what he needed to do, but I think that style will betray him eventually. What what I gathered from it, Mike, is that it. Joe Adich, the good big man is going to beat the good little man. The good yeah. big man yeah. can withstand what the good little man is giving out. And basically, he just absorbed it. Like, I didn't know the size difference was that glaring. And he reminds me of his brother in a sense that when his brother was at the lighter weights, he was an animal. Because all he was doing was walking smaller guys down, absorbing the punishment, and giving out his own. But as soon as he got to the higher weight classes, he looking like Jim Carrey and me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> True, man. He, yeah, like, he did. He but yeah, you just yeah, you nailed it, man. Um, 
Neri was just, you know, coming up at, you know, from bantamweight to super bantamweight. And, you know, he, he tried to employ his, uh, you know, his similar style to someone that, you know, was naturally bigger than him. And that ended up being his downfall. Uh, you know, checking in uh, here real quick. Looks like uh, Mr. Give Me My Credit uh, is making a return appearance. Uh, here, brother, world rank uh, on the line. What's what's happening? So much. Mr. Boxing is a business. Mr. Resume over KO lovers. Mr. Give me my credit. But this week I don't get no credit because I ain't picked Figueroa. I didn't um, either. Yeah, I didn't say it on the show last week who I picked, but I I favored Neri. Um, better resume. Better skill set. He actually showed that skill set to a degree yesterday. But when you're moving up in weight, you know, now you, you got guys who can take better who could who could better suited to take your punches. And yeah, the stamina aspect for Nuri really never came into place in other fights. He was tested in other fights. He's been in distant fights and hard fights, but uh Figueroa on this night just had the chin to withstand what Nuri brought to the table. Nuri seemed to be the better boxer. Um, even early on, it like he was the harder puncher. But as things went on, like you guys said, you know, that stamina showed up. And uh, he had issues fending off Figueroa. And, and, you know, the power, once you tie, everything else, it seems to be uh, exaggerated more and more. And then, the, you know, the defensive liability started to come out. And um, Figueroa landed the body punch, and you know, that was it. Yeah, that was the thing, man. It was like I didn't understand, um, you know, Neri's strategy over the course of the fight. I mean, it was like a close fight, you know, going through it. But I wonder if him not being with uh, Eddie Reynoso was uh, part of a factor because you know, we only had like one really like one fight with uh, Eddie Reynoso, but, you know, he just couldn't, you know, stay there within that camp because he really didn't get uh, that much time with uh, Reynoso. So, like, he's, you know, going from, you know, one trainer to another, um, you know, still getting acclimated to, you know, being at the weight that he is. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it was, uh, I guess it was, like, kind of tough for him, but you know, with with them like going at it, it was only a matter of time. It looked like before uh, Neri was, you know, going to get seriously hurt. Now, I mean, yeah, he looked like he was getting the better of Figueroa uh, over the course of those rounds. But, you know, when, when you go up against someone naturally bigger than you, then you're going to sooner or later <laughs> feel the brunt of those shots. You know, and I think that's what it was for Luis Neri. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Paul Williams a little bit in his fights. Like, um, it seemed like, well, you know, the fights first start out, everything seems to be even. Even the other guy seems to be getting more off offensively on the taller, bigger guy who's not using his range or, you know, his size. And then later on, it just seemed like that guy just starts weighing the guy down and you know what eventually he starts you know taking over and the body shots start to come in the the um the opponent seems to throw less and it it, it was it was 
exciting to watch to see the transformation of the fight because it was a good fight. It was a good back and forth fight. Uh, Nuri was in it, and then it just seemed like one round. I don't remember the round. It just seemed like he wasn't the same guy. It just seemed like everything had just slowed to a crawl. And one thing about something you guys were mentioning was in terms of the styles. I think Nuri was Nuri was never gonna be a boxer. Like he, that's not his style. I mean, his style mm -hmm. is to come forward and try to destroy. So. Right. Being at the level that he was at that got him to this level, we can't just transform somebody who's a normal come forward fighter, pressure fighter in his own right to try to sit here and try to box for 12 rounds and try to like his strategy was his strategy. And I actually think he did better than I thought he was going to do in terms of early in the fight, moving his head and uh, being defensively responsible. Uh, but he's he's never been the the fleet of foot boxer type. So I don't know how we think that he was going to implement that type of style in this fight if that's not him from a fight-to-fight -fight basis. Right. So, well, Rank, I, I get you saying that you are who you are, but what strategy would have actually allowed him to make it A through 12 rounds and B potentially arguably have an opportunity to win the fight? What strategy would have allowed that? I think he, when looking at the fight, this is just me personally, I think he underestimated the stamina aspect, I don't know if that has to do anything with his past, with the weight issues. And also, Figueroa largely is not a hard puncher. So he was effectively taking the head shots. So I think he kind of underestimated Figueroa. And I don't think that the, the implement of plan of what you're saying is something that he's capable of doing at that stage. That's saying... Paul Williams, who he is, who he was as a fighter, he never really changed based on the opponent. He was who he was. Whatever mm -hmm. he brought you to the table is what that's that was got you there. BJ Sanders, he can't be a a different fighter that he was against a lesser opposition with against Canelo. He's the same guy. He just has to be better or sharper at what he does well. You can't just throw everything that you brought to the wind out, everything that you brought to the table out the window because the styles don't match you can't fighters aren't you know we don't have that type not everybody has that type of skill where they can do several things and and be better at it be good at it just because the opponent's bringing something different to the table so the translation is that he had he had no opportunity to win it was it was no way he could win this fight no nah, i think his he under i think he underestimated the stamina aspect and figueroa's power that's it I, changing his style i don't think would have better suited him to win this fight because that's not him. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, he could have done something different with, with a guy like a, you know, like a Figueroa because, I mean, he's coming there as a shorter fighter, you know, with the smaller reach. So the best strategy he had was to try to come forward and get, you know, as close to a Figueroa as possible and, and do his work. And so his best work was, you know, trying to back up Figueroa get him to the ropes and you know scores scores uh, shots there but if it was like anything where you know Figueroa would be in range and be able to like you know jab or come off the jab then he would have eventually been you know broken down either way so what he did was that was his best shot of winning the fight yeah it ended up having him getting stopped but what else could he do at that particular point 
uh, there, you know, just looking at it. And I don't know how I didn't look at it because I really did make <laughs> in this in last week, man. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that was just, you know, bad there in that point. But is it possible that we saw Omar in his recent fight or his recent fights and put that on Brandon and we underestimated Brandon as his own his own level of being better than Omar in terms of maybe toughness and maybe even a little bit of more skill. I, I don't know what the difference is per se, because when I see both of them, I really do see the same fighter, but there might be something in Brandon that Omar doesn't have. And that might be the difference between what we thought of Brandon and, you know, what Omar is. Mm, I mean, may, maybe, maybe you did like see some similarities with, you know, uh, Brandon and Omar um, when, you know, um, Omar was in a, the lower weight classes uh, there before he, you know, moved up to, you know, welterweight and whatnot. Um, you know, I see the similar things in Brandon in that he has the dimensions to give people problems in the current weight class that he's in right now. And I think that um, when he was part of that uh, pay-per-view card uh, there when he fought uh, Damian Vasquez, like he, you know, was there and he kind of like, you know, was one of the more impressive fighters uh in that pay-per-view card uh there when he eventually got the uh stoppage victories but you know i think going you know going off of that he's kind of been you know one of the uh more um impressive fighters within that you know particular weight class uh there but i think that yeah what what you were saying is that you know maybe some people did kind of like see uh, shades of Omar Figueroa Jr. in Brandon Figueroa, and you know, I don't, maybe he's not like that. And one thing I wanted to touch on what son of Mike Grady said about his style that style in general has a life expectancy on it, like that style won't last. I don't know how old Brandon is right now, but that style always catches up to whoever fights that style. That somebody is going to catch up to him at some point because of that style. Well, I think there might be a guy that could catch that could get to him, and that guy will be facing him on September 11th, and that's Mr. Stephen Fulton. And Fulton was there, you know, at Carson, California, watching the fight live. And you know, before the fight, he kind of like felt like uh, Figueroa was going to win that fight, and that it would. You know, if he was going to end up facing Figueroa, it would be, you know, probably a little bit more of a challenge to him. Uh, but, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, with uh, cool boy Stephen Fulton there, uh, he he's going to be, you know, really working towards, uh, you know, getting to, um, you know, Brandon Figueroa and then eventually breaking him down. I mean, he's, you know, he's in the gym regularly anyway. He, he, he kind of like stops sending out. Uh, there in some of the gyms, he's out there sometimes. There with um, you know, Boots Ennis uh, over there in Philadelphia, and um, but yeah, he he he's definitely been putting in work. I know that it's you know been some time since he had his fight with Angelo Leo, you know, earlier this year. But you know, um, you know, even even when you know I was speaking with him uh, a few weeks ago, he was trying to see if he could fit in a fight. You know, once they announced like 
the uh, thing with Neri and Figueroa. He wanted to see if he could get in a fight in between, uh, you know, at that point to until September 11th. But he's going to, you know, stay in the gym, stay sharp, and he's going to see, like, okay, I see what we got here with Brandon Figueroa. And it's going to, you know, end up being a, you know, pretty good matchup there. And um, I think with uh, Figueroa's win, it's going to give Figueroa himself some momentum there against, um, you know, uh, Stephen Fulton. But I think that's going to be a good scrap overall. He got like a good four months before that fight happens. So, um, yeah, it'll be a while before they uh, get it on in the ring, though. Their styles, and, and this is just not uh, Figueroa and uh, Fulton, but you, you throw Roman in there, you throw even Espinosa, the guy he fought, and I was talking trash about Espinosa, so let me give him credit because he he, he came in the fight uh, yesterday, and he made it a yeah. good entertaining fight. Um, but you mix um, Aleem in there. A lot of those guys at the top, man, those style matchups are great style matchups. So we got a lot to look forward in that division because all those guys uh, make entertaining fights and fight, and all those fights can be made because they're on the same side. We ain't got to yep. worry about no politics or none. So it, 122 is looking – I mean, they got a champ at 122 that's not affiliated with PVC, but for the most part, those guys are fighting each other and they're, they're doing it in entertaining fights. Yep. Yep, no doubt. Now, i uh, got another person uh, checking in uh, live here with the Boxing Source. Yo, Mr. Mister uh, Chef, Mr. TTP. <laughs> <laughs> Check it in, man. What's going on? <laughs> Not much, man. Everything's good. What's up? What's up, guys? What's up, Mad Mike Grady? Well ranked. Been a long time, man. Good to talk to you again. But real, yeah, real quick, uh, let, let me see this. I know you guys already talked about the fight. When, how many times in boxing do we get the, the actual matchups that we actually want to see, right? Now, granted, 122 is not a glory division, per se. But there's still good fights on it, as we saw last night, and as we see going forward. And the best thing about it, it looks like like the next matchup that we do want to see is uh, Figueroa versus uh, uh, Stephen Fulton, uh, Fulton and everything. And like Warwick said, it's a good thing that it's on the same side of the street. So that makes the fight easy to make. And if that actually happens, good for us and good for boxing, because so many times that we're actually robbed of the matchup that we want to see. And sometimes when we do get to see them, they're either past experiences they things like that. Because I know so many people here uh, definitely want to see uh, Amir Khan versus uh, uh, what's my name? Kel Brook. Yeah, everybody wants to see it right now. Everyone's clamoring for that fight. <laughs> and yes, that's a joke. That's a joke. But it's like for that, back when that fight was had a, a good, good, would have had a good following. But at this point now, because of BS being both sides, that fight is well past its expiration date. No one cares about it. Uh, neither one has relevance in, uh, at 147 or 154. If they do fight, it's, like I said, it'd be, it probably will be a stinker and everything. At this point, that can only be a, a hit over, over, over there across the pond. But, but look forward to uh, the possibility of, of Fuller and Figueroa. That's the fight that we want to see. And given the fact that uh, Fuller, had COVID last year and had to miss, miss his title opportunity, came back and got a title and has the opportunity to unify. 
So that's that's good for him. That's a good story right there. Definitely a good story. Yeah, I mean, you would have Stephen Fulton there in, in you know, 2021. You know, he'd be able to win the WBO title and would have a shot to win the uh, WBC title um, within the same year, you know. And, uh, you know, that would be a very, very good year for Stephen Fulton if he's, you know, able to pull that off. But, yeah, going off, uh, you know, what you're saying there as far as, like, you know, fights getting made and the best fights possible getting made, like here at 122, you're pretty much, you know, kind of like getting it uh, there. I mean, you did have Daniel Ramon. He was, you know, a former champ. Uh, he did, you know, have the loss against uh, Mirajan Akhmedaliev. But, you know, now he's, you know, there on the, you know, PBC side. And he's had, you know, a couple of fights there under PBC. Had a very impressive performance last night and gets himself, you know, back in the uh, hunt there for, you know, a world title, you know, may take a little while for him to, you know, get there. But in the meantime, he still has, you know, a few matchups that are available for him there at the 122-pound division. Um, in the meantime, like like we were saying, September 11th, you're going to have the unification, Brandon Figueroa versus Stephen Fulton uh, there. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, a good little uh, round robin of sorts there in the 122-pound division. Um, you know, while we have it, um, because, you know, I think that, you know, all of these guys have a good shot of, you know, being um, among the top guys within that uh, weight class. So, um, you know, that's what, you know, that's what it is uh, right there. And then, you know, like I said, with the, um, you know, that last fight that, you know, happened there with, uh, what is it, uh, Martinez and Burgos, man, that was, you know, also a good little scrap there too. So, uh, Showtime, you know, had themselves a very uh, good uh, card there um, last night, and it was uh, better than I expected. So I, I guess I got to give some type of another, uh, I guess, apology for, uh, I guess, uh, Burgos, because he came to fight too, even, you know, despite being like 50 years old, he gave Martinez a good fight. And... Uh, one thing I do want to mention about um, people fighting in the same divisions, like if you look at, you know, welterweight with Porter, Thurman, uh, Spence, and all those guys, they fight, they fought each other. Then you look at 140, you get Josh Taylor fighting Ramirez. Like a lot of times these fights are going to get made if they're by the same guys. And that's why we get in the problem of Spence and, and Crawford not fighting because they're not promoted by the same guys. And it just seemed like for whatever reason, when they not, promoted by the same guy these fights seem to not happen but when they are promoted by the same guy the fights tend to it's much easier and they seem to actually happen uh when they're promoted by the same people and um hopefully we can do some type of cross promotions and make sure that these fights happen um but it looks like the best way these fights are happening is if they with the um, same promoter yeah i mean we do, you know, have those type of things there where, you know, we have a lot of issues because of uh, cross-promotional dealings. But there are some times when you do get uh, that, um, those fights, you you could get something like a, um, well, we, we see it multiple times with uh, Bob Arum and Eddie Hearn. They've, you know, worked together for multiple fights. I mean, you had, um, you know, unification fight there with uh, Ramirez, you know, that he was able to get um you know so that he could 
you know, be a unified champ first before uh, getting his fight here against Josh Taylor. So he had the thing there with Maurice Hooker and they were able to make, you know, that fight happen. Um, you know, the thing with uh, Valsalo Machenko uh, fighting, you know, guys like Anthony Crawler and, uh, you know, Luke Campbell. You know, that's another thing there with uh, top ranking matchroom. So um, there are some cases where we do get, you know, those type of cross promotional uh, deal, deals, you know, um, in the large scale. But, you know, outside of that, you don't really, you know, get it as much as, you know, people would think that should happen. Other than Wilder and well, that, Fury. That's a great, that's, that's I was just gonna say, other than Wilder and Fury, yeah. one thing you don't hear though is the PBC top rank combo. Right. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Um, you know, other. Than, I mean, not like a cross promotional type deal, like where you have you know uh, Bob Arum, you know, working with uh, Tom Brown or whatever it is. But you, you kind of, you get like a couple of guys under Al Heyman going to have fights that are under top rank, but those like the, you know, the second tier guys mostly. It's not like the top tier guys that, you know, end up having main events on uh, PBC cards that are on Fox or, you know, back in the days, NBC or anything like that. You don't see that. So, you know, it looks like, you know, actually we have like probably another um, thing that kind of like fell through when it came to cross promotional between top rank and uh, PBC, whatever it is uh, there. Hopefully I'll be able to touch on that a little bit later uh, there. But uh, Terrell, you had something? Yeah, I was just just, just, just going to kind of recap what you guys just spoke about uh, back when Fury Wilder fought, fought it two times at that point. There's a tremendous amount of money on the line, so it made sense to get those fights done and put uh, top ranking PBC. That made sense. Uh, and like you said, Jay, a lot of times on the second turn, you don't, you know, you typically don't see that. And even 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 something that that should happen. Uh, what was it? Uh, Charlo and Andre. I yeah. mean, they're, they're, it's not it's not gonna be a prime top top fight. But it was an opportunity to, to cross for two two different countries to, to come together, do some quick business, and get something done. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And and, and like I said, it's just disappointing when, like I said, once there's certain fights that we, we do want to see and they don't get made, if they do get made, so a lot of times they're past the expiration date. Because at this point, like this, for example, Crawford, Aerospace, everybody in the world wants to see that. Even, even some casual fans, things like that. And at this point, when Crawford gets out of his top rank contract, at the fight still doesn't happen by the by the, uh let's say in the next year. Why? Why not? Why not? And that kind of things those things just to sour your taste in boxing and just and, and really for some people move people away from the sport. So that's something that should happen. If it doesn't happen, why not? You know, so it remains to be seen. So hopefully we can uh observe those things going forward yeah no doubt there no doubt um i mean that that kind of is part of the thing that uh really uh frustrates me uh as far as like you know some of the biggest fights not being able to happen um you know like you said there with a clear example of uh terrence crawford and errol spence jr um that it would have to take you know 
Terrence Crawford either being a free agent or kind of like signing with the PBC or having a being under advisement of Al Heyman. But I mean, it's not any different than you know what happened uh, a while ago, years ago, when you have Floyd Mayweather Jr. and um, there were multiple fighters that you know were brought up as a potential opponent for Floyd Mayweather Jr. But with him not being with top rank anymore, the fight didn't happen. And one of those clear examples was when Miguel Cotto was under top rank. He was able to, you know, fight all those guys. He was able to fight Manny Pacquiao, the Antonio Margaritos, the Joshua Claudies, and all of them. But after his uh, second fight with the Antonio Margarito, he became a free agent. And the first fight that he had as a free agent was against Floyd Mayweather there, man. So, um, it's like you you kind of like prevent the sport from getting the best fights that they could possibly get, uh, you know, by not working together with these other promoters. But, you know, at the same time, like those that are under the same promotional company, you know, we're able to get, you know, good fights. I mean, we're going to have about two, at least two undisputed title fights uh, there with uh, two different you know, boxing uh, promotional organizations there. Um, and then we have one that's going to be a joint promotion that I'll talk about a little bit later. But, um, you know, going into, you know, what's going to happen next weekend, man, um, you're going to have that undisputed title fight at super lightweight, Jose Ramirez and, and Josh Taylor. And, I think it's one of those fights where, I mean, it's one of the rare occasions where you know that these two guys are the two top fighters in the division. Um, you know, Ramirez, like I said, he was able to get the win over Maurice Hooker. He has a win over Victor Postal. Um, and, you know, Jose Zapata as well. You know, while he was, uh, you know, was champion there at Super Lightweight, Josh Taylor, of course, uh, winner of the World Boxing Super Series, did have his win over Regis Prograce, Ivan the Beast Baranchik, and Ryan Martin. And, and the thing with uh, Josh Taylor is he's had a string of fighters where the last five fights, their record, like, had been, like, what I'd say about 80, 80 wins total and one total loss uh, there. But you know, I think th this will be a very good matchup between these two fighters. Um, Josh Taylor is kind of like considered um, to be among uh, the top fighters pound for pound. But, you know, Jose Ramirez is not really considered that, you know, for some reason. But I think this is going to be a very good fight between these two. And, and, you know, it's something where you can't really say that either fighter is uh, highly favored. Um you know, because they have their they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses on both sides. Um, you know, with uh, Josh Taylor, you know, he has like you know a little bit of boxing skill, but also uh, may have some deficiencies on the inside. I mean, I saw that against Regis Progress, um, and you know, I still felt like Progress was the one that kind of you know eked it out, but they gave the you know decision to Josh Taylor there. And, you know, we've seen sometimes with uh, Jose Ramirez that he has, a, you know, a couple of lapses uh, there in the ring, you know, sometimes. So I think it's going to be a very good fight, you know, between those two guys um, and something that's going to, you know, really decide, like, who's the uh, better fighter there at super lightweight. Um, the uh, undercard, I mean, you're going to have uh, 
Jose Zapata there against Hank Lundy. Like, I still don't understand how Hank Lundy was able to get into that particular fight. You know, shout out Hank Lundy, though. And Elvis Rodriguez, they're also at super lightweight, is, you know, one of the young up-and-coming prospects that they've had uh, there under top rank. Uh, he's had a few uh, good highlights there uh, last year, going up against Kenneth Sims Jr. But, you know, the headline there is Josh Taylor versus, you know, Jose Ramirez, undisputed super lightweight title uh, there. And uh, what, what are y'all thoughts on it? Oh, world rank, you back on too. Yeah, so um this is gonna be a very good fight, very entertaining fight. The one question I have is really the, the, the key to the fight. Will Ramirez be able to get in on the inside like he did against Hooker? Um we all know his his inside game is what sets him apart from Everybody else at 140, and if he can get on the inside of Josh Taylor, who is going to be the boxer in this fight, and if he can, especially going to the bat uh, and kind of wear down Josh Taylor, that will be the key to the fight. Because if he doesn't, this could be a a schooling type fight. So it's imperative for Ramirez to be able to get in on the inside because that's where his but his bread is buttered. So that's going to be entertaining to watch. Also. Um, you had talked about the pound for pound talk and yeah things like that. And this is uh, right before I got on, there was a question made, and this could actually uh, apply to both of them. And the question was, if Josh Taylor win, would his resume be better than Crawford's resume? Not at 140, but Crawford's overall resume. And I mm -hmm. think him or Ramirez, the winner of this fight, resume is much greater than Crawford's resume. And a lot of people have Crawford in their top pound for pound, which is valid on, on certain levels. But if you're talking resume, the winner of this fight could be considered, I actually would put them as the number two pound for pound fighter uh, in the world based on resume. So it's very, for that aspect of it being a unified champ and just some of the names that they have on their resume, including this fight, uh, this is really important in terms of the pound for pound. And also Ramirez could be uh, a future opponent of Crawford's if he wins. So that's a vested interest also in this fight. Yeah, and that's a, you know interesting part about it as far as like their resumes are concerned. Uh, you know, I've, I've you know, I've kind of like went through their resumes. Uh, they're at 140 pounds and you know, we talked about it you know, multiple times in the past uh, leading into this particular fight that, you know, both of these guys have had fights against top-level competition, you know, that are better than what Terrence Crawford had, just, you know, straight up. I mean, it's not, you know, Ricky, they weren't facing Ricky Burns, you know, they weren't facing, you know, um, <laughs> guys at, at that particular level. You know, um, I mean, they they did have all of them have had fights against Victor Postal, yes, but outside of that, you know, it's it's a stark little difference uh, there with uh, the the resumes of Josh Taylor and and uh, Jose Ramirez to Terrence Crawford at 140 pounds. Now, I wanted to add in uh, someone here to kind of like go into this uh, fight a little bit, but also uh, 
I guess we got to give him his credit because he did call that last night's card was going to be a fire card, and that is the president of the Deontay Wilder fan club, Mr. Matthew Brown, MVO represent. Yo, what kind of bullshit we talking about that these 140 chumps going to have a better resume than Crawford? First of all, let's look at the common opponent, Victor Postal. Crawford fought Victor Postal coming off a, Luke a, a Lucas Matisse victory in his absolute prime, and Crawford had no issues with Victor Postal. He basically shut him out. Now, these guys who are in their prime, um, Ramirez and Josh Taylor, they went life and death with a washed-up Victor Postal. So we're supposed to believe that their resume is better just because they have, quote-unquote, top names in the division. The division is not that good. That's how I measure the top names. How good is the division that you're fighting in? And and it's it's not at all. Um, how do we even know that Regis Progray is not the number one person at 140? A lot of people thought he beat Josh Taylor. And we all know Jose Ramirez ran far away from fighting him. So we can't even say that the winner of this bout is, without a doubt, the best guy at 140. But they're number two pound for pound. Get out of here with that, man. It's nonsense. All right, I'm back on. I'm back on. I, I, I want this. I want this. So you take out take out Postal. No, we can't. No, no, no. See, we're okay, not okay. So let, let's not take that. out. Okay, okay. So let's not take out Postal. Let's compare everything else that those guys did to Crawford. Okay. Let's compare everything else at 140. So being let's say let's say the Regis fight was even for uh, Taylor. That's still a better opponent than anything else Crawford did. How? What you mean how? If he's so he still going, if, if, if he's, he's still going life or death with a washed-up Victor Postal, wouldn't that suggest that maybe the division itself is not that good? So being the top guy in a bad division, what exactly does that really mean? How we criterion how weak the division is? What what is that what is that criteria? So let me let me let me let me Postal was number two when Crawford fought him. So how is that? How how is that? Or arguably number one when he fought Crawford? Because there was some the division. Go ahead. The division wasn't good when Terence Crawford fought in it. It has never been good. Ain't none of them fighters good. No offense. That's my opinion. I'm gonna let y'all get y'all thing. But it's never been good. That's just my. Let me well, how, let me throw some in real quick for 140 going forward. So so let real quick. So what about Tank Davis? We know he got a fight coming up. If he goes goes ahead and wins a secondary belt and and, and is good, and then boom has another fight this year, defends that belt and stays at 140. How good would the division be then with a Tank Davis at 140, unified champion? Boom, all that stuff, all stuff, and they starting to fight each other. How good would 140 be then? I would say it depends on how Javante Davis looks. I don't think he's going to beat Barrios. I think Barrios is too big. Barrios is basically a welterweight. And even though he's listed at like 5'10", from what I've heard, Barrios has actually grown and he's actually like six foot, six one now. So I don't anticipate Lil uh, Tank beating Barrios in the first place. All right, so let's go, let's go back to the debate about Crawford and Taylor and Ramirez. 
So who is Crawford's second best win at 140? Uh, I guess you would say uh, Felix. Who is that? Who is the guy? Diaz? Felix Diaz? Come on, Brad. Oh, my goodness. Now, I, I agree that Diaz is a better, a good fighter. He was a, he was a good fighter. But he's he a gold medalist. But he didn't beat anybody. He's he a gold medalist. Okay. That don't mean that you're a good pro. Or you that you beat anybody relevant as a pro. Okay. All so right. we compare Felix Diaz to unified champions. Remember right, ask you a question. Okay. So the we'll say the second best person that Taylor beat was who? Ivan Baranchik. A former champ. Was Diaz ever a champ? Well, that's because yeah, Diaz was a champ. Hey, well, wait. One, wasn't he a champ at 140? Uh, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he was a champ at 140. Who am I thinking about? Oh, the African. But look, Ndongo was a champ, and I don't think he was that good. Just because you got a belt don't mean nothing to me. Right, I, I agree with you, but that means you, you reached a certain level. Now, Ndongo, how he got his belts is de debatable even by Mike Grady. I get that. Okay, so... And Dago did accomplish something, but Regis went through him. Went through him. So if Josh Taylor, let's let's say he's even with Regis, because he was, win or lose, whoever won that fight, it was even terms. It wasn't no dominant performance either way. Yes. So Regis is levels above whoever Crawford's second best win is. Well, uh, do we really know that? Because... Uh, a Terrence Crawford fan would tell you that once Bud beats them, they're never the same after that. I mean, I don't. Indago was never good, but he—he's for me, he's a credible name because he did accomplish something. And to me, accomplishing something means something. But obviously, Reed just washed him. He washed him with no with no problems. So, and everybody who fought, I, you—I mean, there's a point to that because Indago really. Was trash after that. He never got any recognizable win. He didn't do anything after that. But Ramirez going to Hooker's hometown and taking the belt from him in 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 in, in great fashion. And Hooker, how good is Maurice Hooker? And Dungo was trash before the Terrence Crawford fight. Hooker is at least the equivalent <laughs> or better than Ricky Burns. And Ricky Burns fight wasn't even at one forty. Who else did uh, Crawford fight at one forty? All right, uh, you got Thomas Delorme, Dieri Jean, Hank Lundy, John Molina, and the guys that were mentioned. And you tell the question if, if Hank Lundy can upset Jose Cepeda uh, this weekend, does that make the Crawford win over Lundy look much better? Absolutely not. It would make Zapeta look worse. But I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Because Hank Lundy is, is not good. So if he beats Zapata, it's more about what Zapata is, not more about um, Crawford. Okay. I respect that. Well, I'm still, I, I just, when you compare resumes, you beat a unified champion hooker. You beat, who else did he beat? Who else did Ramirez beat? He would have, he would have beaten Taylor. I'm saying whoever would win this fight, he would have beaten Taylor. That's two wins right there. 
taking two belts Wait, from two Cepeda, people. You got a Ro- Antonio Roscoe and the Amir Mom for the belt. Well, I guess on paper, if we're talking accomplishments, then you can say that they have a better resume at 140 than Terrence Crawford. But I just don't see them getting no wins for Terrence Crawford, though. Yeah, you can be a you can have a better resume and still not be a better fighter. But I'm yeah. always yeah, I'm always talking in the in the aspect of resume. I don't really I can't really talk about who's better because they didn't fight. I don't have no knowledge of that. But I have to speak on what they did do as opposed to what my eyes tell me. I have a question for y'all. If Chris Ariola won a belt, does that then make him any better or worse than he already is? Let's just say he won a better heavyweight at some point. Well, what you're asking is the Andy Ruiz question. Andy Ruiz was in nobody's top 10 or 15 before he beat Joshua. Now, all of a sudden, you can't even get Andy Ruiz out of the top five. So, like, I guess people, to me, I think people overrate belts. I'm not the belt counter kind of guy. I just want to know who it is that you beat. How good they were, because. But how do you prove how good they are? That's 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 what we get in the debates from. How do you prove how good someone is? How do you? Who they beat? Who do they fight? What condition did they fight him in? Like, listen. As long as you have a Michael Jordan, you're always gonna have the Carl Malones and the Charles Barkleys and guys who the Patrick Ewans who couldn't get no chip. But does that mean that they weren't great? No, they just weren't as good as the greatest person of all time that they happen to be in the same era. Sometimes you're just born the wrong time. And these guys that was fighting Crawford, born the wrong time. He, he lorded over them. Yeah, I don't know if that's a sign of Crawford being being great or the, those guys not being good. Like, how can you tell how good like someone is if they didn't beat anybody? Like, we say, okay, Felix Diaz, like he was a, like you said, he was a gold. Um, he won the gold in the amateurs, but he wasn't really a, a good pro. It, so is he good? Like, how do we rate if someone? That's what we get when you start talking secondary wins. How do you tell somebody? Like, we know the top, the A level guys, but how do you tell B and C level guys? Like, to y'all, is this, is Victor Postal good? Uh depends. Is Lucas Matisse good? See that's that's what I'm saying. Like, where's the level that stops at to tell us that someone's good? Like, I don't know what that level. Where do we stop saying someone's good or somebody's not good? Where's well, that level? It's it's always subjective. We know that. I mean, unless these guys all fight each other like a round robin, you know, then we'll never know who is who. All we got to do is trust our eyes. That's it. But, or, trust, um, or, or trust the resume. Or trust the resume. See, but a lot of times resume is a function of opportunity. Uh, you see how Canelo snatched up three belts at 168. I don't think any other fighter at 168 would have even had the opportunity to go belt collect and fight for the belts. But because it's Canelo and because he's the money guy, he can fight whoever the hell he wants. Yeah, we can all look at the eye test and be wrong. Like, how many times have you looked at the eye test and said, this dude was going to be the goods? Or anybody that looked at the guy with the eye test and said he was going to be the goods, 
but he wasn't the good. So either That's way, true. you look at it, it could be like you said, subjective. Yeah, it 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 kind of like is up near like the thing you know you're bringing up with Felix Diaz. He had been, you know, bouncing up and down from uh you know welterweight and super lightweight, and you know he had his fight against you know uh Terence Crawford gets stopped and then he ends up losing his next fight. But that's you know him going up to 147, and he's only had like one other fight since. So we. It, it's hard to gauge like someone like a Felix Diaz when he hasn't had much, you know, activity since his fight with uh, Terrence Crawford. But like the likes of Indongo or, you know, or John Molina Jr. And well, we're going to see what's up with Hank Lundy. But Hank Lundy, you know, he had, uh, you know, one fight where he lost over in uh, Philadelphia against Avery Sparrow. So I'm like, you know. How <laughs> how would someone really gauge him? But I, I kind of side with World Ranking uh, when he said like if the Peter loses to Hank Lundy, it kind of like <laughs> it that kind of like rubs off on the because like if you you haven't lost us to you know Abdullayev and and Avery Sparrow, you know back in 2018 and 2019, and 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 then Hank Lundy has a couple of eight round bouts before his fight against the Peter, then <laughs> if the Peter loses there, like. Yeah, that says a lot about Cepeda. And he lost to John Molina back in the day, and nobody thinks John Molina good. Yeah. He also lost to <laughs> well, he lost to he hey, he lost to Victor Postal at 140. <laughs> he also lost to Victor Postal at 140. So that's who Victor Postal beat too. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, that's that's kind of like uh you know what's happening there, man. So I'm looking forward to that fight, man. Undisputed at 140 pounds, um, you know it's something that you know I guess not not enough people are talking about, uh. But you know I'm gonna I'm gonna just follow that and and what's going on before I get into like that third topic, um, like someone mentioned Terrence Crawford and. I've kind of heard something uh, that came up over the past couple of days when it comes to Terrence Crawford. Um, Matt, I'm not sure if you've kind of like uh, heard about it, but are we talking about in reference to Showtime Sean Porter? Yes, I'm talking oh, about Showtime yeah. Sean Porter. Now, I haven't, you know, listened to what Sean and Kenny have talked about but there have been reports that have summarized what sean porter has said and matt i'm sure you kind of like went over what was said and how everything has kind of fallen apart when it comes to terence crawford and sean porter yeah. so open the floor to you matt on that so Sean Porter was just basically saying he's going to be back in July in eight to ten weeks. He's going to move on because Terrence Crawford didn't really seem interested in making the fight. So his father and manager, I guess, Kenny Porter, uh, basically detailed what happened that they went down to top rank headquarters looking for the Crawford fight. They spoke to Bob Arum directly. And Bob Arum said he's not going to make an offer for the fight. 
uh, that basically uh, they don't they don't want the fight. There's there's no other way to put it. They did not want the Sean Porter, Terrence Crawford fight. So that video was posted by uh, my homeboy Lex from uh, Sunday Puncher. Uh, he he posted it on his uh, Twitter account, and lo and behold, Bruce Trampler actually uh, responded to the post, and he said, "Kenny Porter." the way he described it, is absolutely right. And we know Bruce, Bruce Champler works for Top Rank, Hall mm-hmm. of Fame uh, matchmaker. Um, he basically says that there's no money for Crawford versus Porter because of the fan situation, because this fight is not a Texas fight. It's not a Florida fight. He said this fight has to be in Vegas or New York for top rank to do the fight. And it has to be full capacity fans. Um, so uh, a fan responded, Hey, listen, why don't y'all just put it where you need to put it? Give guarantee Crawford 6 million guarantee Porter 4 million, you know, $60 pay-per-view. Let's go. And he said, those numbers are way too high. So basically, you can't spend $10 million to make Crawford versus Porter for some reason. I just don't get it. But they were able to get money for Crawford versus Khan. They yeah, were but, able but Amir to Khan's get money. not black. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> they always got money for the B side. They got unless he's black. Uh, how much money they got for Kel Brook? Was it what, two like million? two million? Two million. The UK is gonna buy it. Listen, two black American fighters, the level of Crawford and Porter will do well enough on pay-per-view for everybody to make money. I I I don't like the disrespect of the black dollar. I, I really don't. Cause that's all it basically is. Cause they're saying they're not going to make money off of it. Well, how can you say that? Uh, like we're dying to see Terrence Crawford mix it up with one of these PBC welterweights and Showtime Sean Porter is the kind of guy and the kind of style that the fans would love to see Terrence Crawford get a taste of. And what better way to build the Spence fight by having that real comparison of Spence versus Porter and then Crawford mm-hmm. versus Porter. Yep. I don't get it. So that my was... question is, who is this September fight that Bob Aram says they're going to have uh, with Terrence Crawford that's not going to be a top-ranked welterweight? Who Who's going to be that fight? Because we could eliminate Pacquiao. We know that's not happening. We could now eliminate Showtime Sean Porter because they ain't got no money. Um, and now Porter is just going to go in July, so they're going to be on a different timetable. We know that they didn't want to make the Keith Thurman fight, which is another uh, sellable fight. Nobody cares about Danny Garcia anymore, so 
you you can't sell the fans on that. That's not gonna that's gonna be DOA on pay per view. Who is Terrence Crawford going to fight? So, so I have a question. What you mean you don't get it? There's no there's no given that Terrence Crawford comes out on the other side of the Sean Porter fight with a W. That's the simplest answer that I could ever give anyone on why it doesn't make sense to make that fight with Sean Porter. Why it's not worth it to. But we're just going to sit around and wait for a dispense fight? I'm not. <laughs> Me either. So, like, I don't get it. Like, who was Terrence Crawford supposed to fight then that we care about? A little yeah, versus? And, and I tell you what. So he, you, you definitely gave the, the entire litany of names that we would care about. And just make yeah. Pacquiao, not going to happen. Uh, and sweet, anybody, basically, anybody in PBC, not going to happen. So who else is there? Uh, what's the kid name from uh, Go, uh, Golden Boy? Uh, Spanish Bird Bird I mean, no one really wants yeah, and, and And that's not a big fight that we want to see. And at this point, what does beating uh, that kid do for, for Terrence Crawford? Now I'm sure. I tell you, we, and we talked about this before. The only one that would, would give us some interest would be to fight uh, Boots Ennis. And at this point, once again, if Crawford eats him, what does it do? What will it do for him? I mean, yeah, Boots would interest us, but the, the entire people Boots that we is a nobody. About. Right, that ain't gonna right. happen. So, uh, like this, in regards to Crawford, uh, uh, they have definitely missed out big on making some kind of statement. Because at this point, there's no one else that we want to care about for out of uh, Spence and things like that. So if he doesn't fight Porter, who is it? Who's left? Now, my question to Matt is this. Now, I mean, people were talking about, you know, capacities with Texas and Florida. And, you know, we've had some type of, uh, you know, decent crowd for uh, Dignity Health Sports Park with that Ruiz Ariola fight. But over in the state of New York, aren't they trying to fully have full capacity in the sporting events there in New yes. York? Yes. So how can you not have a fight of that magnitude in Madison Square Garden? They full of it. My whole thing is even if even if you're gonna say, oh, there's not enough fans. Why can't that fight be in Texas? Texas is not too far from Nebraska. You're telling me that the the Nebraskan, the Omaha people, they won't travel to Texas for Bud Crawford uh, in a big fight against Showtime Sean Porter? You're telling mm -hmm. me top rank don't have a Mexican or two that they can put on that undercard to, to, to help sell some tickets also? If, if they really feel like uh, it's not gonna move the needle, I, I just don't. I just don't get it, man. They the in the whole thing with the pay per view too. Didn't they see what happened with Spence and Porter? Like, exactly. come on. They don't respect the black dollar, Jr. Yeah, I know. I know. They don't. They just don't. So that's why it's kind of like leaning towards if there's going to be any fight for Terrence Crawford to have, it's going to be against Virgil Ortiz. And I've kind of like 
you know, drop hints and it ever since, you know, Oscar De La Hoya dropped the picture of him with Bob Arum a couple months ago. I said, they're talking about, you know, a possibility of Terrence Crawford and Virgil Ortiz. This was before. I don't think that's Ortiz. happening. You don't think that's happening either? No, because. Um, what no, I've out seen that something Oscar. with Virgil Ortiz that he might have a fight in July or something. Yeah, but what just came out about Oscar that he's attempting to move Golden oh, Boy the trilogy. over the Triller. Oh, yeah. So why would he put one of his few bankable stars on an ESPN platform when he's trying to get uh, nine figures out of Triller? Oh, man. That don't make no sense. Yeah. So... Jeez. Is there any way it reaches progress? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. Regis is an interesting cat. I mean, he's a free agent, right? Yeah. But but who but who who would be interested in a fight between Crawford and Regis Pro Grace, though? Maybe like their families. <laughs> Oh man, that yeah, that's uh, I ain't paying to see that. Yeah, um, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too uh, interested in that either, man. That that just uh, wouldn't you know get me, you know, up to up to being uh, psyched up for that particular you know type of fight. That's just not gonna move the needle for me, hey, you know. Hey, Jr. Yeah. This the same guy who told me to pay fifty dollars for some regular fight two three months ago. Which one? I don't remember. I don't remember. It was one of these regular fights that they that they charged the premium fee for it right when boxing first started happening. And you was like, pay for it. You didn't say that, but that's what you ultimately said. It probably wasn't a regular fight. It was. It was like a regular fight, but then they charged us for it. Hmm. I know. Man, it it couldn't be the uh the 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 Croft, uh the the Charlo doubleheader. Uh, Might have been it was that was one of them. It was a string of fights. The they, Charlo doubleheader was well worth the money, by the way. It was worth it. It was worth it for the people who paid for it. But um, it was it was a string of fights. It was a string of them. Oh. I was trying to talk mess. It didn't seem to hit as hard as I wanted to. I'm, I'm raking leaves too, so that's that's my excuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, that's that's like a whole nother situation uh, there within the welterweight division, and we, I mean, we haven't like seen anything kind of like be announced in the larger skill at welterweight because you know, at least from the PBC side. Like most of those fights are going to be, you know, televised on Fox, and they haven't like put out a schedule like you know how Showtime has. They usually just announce things a couple of weeks before those fights actually happen. Uh, so, you know, that is, I guess, a wait and see approach. You know, for that, you know what I mean. But 
that that's uh, one other topic that I wanted to get into. But now I'm going to get into the other major topic, um, something that, you know, may really bother one person on this particular panel. But I got to go through it. You folks know what it is. So I'm going to just run this clip and then we're going to go ahead and talk about this topic. Let's go. Hey there, it's Tyson Fury, the Gypsy King. Got some massive news for you all, guys. I've just got off the phone from Prince Khalid of Saudi Arabia. Um, he told me this fight's a 100% hot. Uh, August 14th, 2021, summertime. All eyes of the world will be on the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And I cannot wait, repeat, cannot wait to smash Anthony Joshua on the biggest stage of all times. This is gonna be the biggest sporting event ever to grace the planet Earth. Do not miss it. All eyes on us. Peace out, God bless. See you all in Saudi! And there is the words of Mr. Tyson Luke Fury. You know, it's funny you got that queued up, JR. Did you queue up the, the, the same video from July of last year when he said the same thing? I didn't hear you cue that one up. No. Oh, I, okay. I wasn't, I wasn't going to cue that up because... What, what about the one where he was fighting December 5th against um, Ajit Kabayal? Did you, did you cue that one up? No, I didn't cue that one up, but could wow. you cue up, could okay. you cue up a video of uh, anything in reference to uh, what's happening with the arbitration can you listen do we don't something? need to queue up anything with that that is a private matter that <laughs> is going to be settled okay. all i'm saying is that every look at tyson fury and eddie hearn announces these fights every single week but yet bob aram came out today and said oh by the way we still didn't sign no paperwork okay so what are we announcing let me know when the fight is official. Okay, so when they have all of the details when it comes to financials, which is which a report has been put out, when they have details about, you know, television rights and everything like that that has been, you know, basically leaked out, that the date for this particular fight has been disclosed then what else is there? Do we have to wait until actually August 14th, 2021 when both of those guys step into the ring? Is this yeah, going to yeah, be similar? Should. Wait, we should, is but... this going to be similar to what we actually witnessed yesterday when we had Christopher Lovejoy versus <laughs> Mamu Char? <laughs> is it going to take it to that particular level? Yeah, because here's the thing. Um, and one thing I didn't mention that I was waiting for that bullet for this conversation, uh, during the whole Terrence Crawford debate that Mr. Bruce Trampler was having on social media, he dropped a little bombshell. He said one of the other reasons why Crawford versus Porter don't make no sense, especially for July, is because they expect Errol Spence Jr. to have a pay-per-view in July and Tyson Fury has a pay-per-view in July. So, 
if they're supposed to be fighting in Saudi on August 14th, then why did Bruce Trampler say that Tyson Fury has a pay-per-view in July? What would Bruce Trampler know about this particular activity that he wouldn't disclose to ESPN? Only thing I know is Bruce Champler is part of the team. And uh I and, and, and so and so is uh you know my boy Evan Corn, but you don't see me talking about what Evan Corn well, is. Evan Corn's just PR though. Come on now. <laughs> He's just a PR guy. But I, I made I, I sent you the exact quote from Bruce Trampler. He clearly said Fury already has July pay-per-view. So, once again, Bomb Squad out. Let's go. <laughs> so, wait a minute. You, I said I, you, I know. Go look I know. Go look so, so, uh-huh. so, he says this. Uh-huh. Right? And then the next day was when Fury releases that video. Yep. So, here, so here's my thing, right? Yep. Once again, when you have multiple organizations reporting that the Fury Joshua fight is taking place on August 14th, why isn't there people within top rank putting a halt to those reports going out? What do they care? First of all, they don't work for the athletic. The athletic is Eddie Hearn's PR. I didn't mountains. say anything about the athletic. Well, that's where the original report came from. Like one thing I've learned um, about news organizations is that a lot of these guys just parrot what the original report says. It's not any original reporting being done. So for you to say, well, other news outlets said it, well, what exactly does that mean? It just means that they parroted whatever the original report is. So the report is about the original report. It doesn't mean that they have any type of information regarding the situation. In the words of Dan Raphael, that is journalism 101 for you, Mr. Coppinger. So, but here, here's another thing, though, right? So you mean to tell me that going what 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 uh, Bruce Trampler said, right? Okay, let's see this. It says your numbers are very high, and I have forgotten Spence, but July is only two months away. Plus, Jer- Fury already has July pay per view. Mm-hmm. Saw Sean Porter and Dad Kenny this week, but first need to see what champ Bud will accept, then approach Sean. And that's from yesterday. Mm-hmm. So how is it that Sean Porter had already stated that he was moving on from his statements that came, I guess, before this post from Bruce Trampler? Because he don't feel like Bud is going to want to fight. That's all that is. 
Well, I have to check with uh, Bud Crawford is saying because, uh, yeah, this is uh, silent. Yeah, he's mad quiet about it. I know that. Yeah, he's been awfully silent about it. But but back to this uh, this Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder thing. So what 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 do we know? You you're a conspiracy guy, Jr. You really are. Okay. I know you think I don't know what conspiracy means, but in my mind, you are definitely a conspiracy guy, right? Yes. What happened this week with Tyson Fury? Okay, what happened? What happened? What has happened with Bruce Trampler and what he's and what he's posted? Oh, I'm not worried about Bruce Trampler. Let's talk about Tyson. No, Fury. no, 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 no. You were the one that sent me this particular thing from Bruce Trampler. Yeah. Uh okay, right? Mhm. So so my here's my question for you. Right? Why would he make that post, right? And hold on a second. You know what? I'm going to have to look into this a little Please bit do. more. Please do. But let's because, get back uh -huh. Because I am on Bruce Trampler's Twitter page right mm -hmm. now. Go to tweets and replies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, I'm looking at this thing here. And he said, let's see. Let, let me see here. Because this is for, because I'm trying to look at this thing. Because I'm trying to follow the thread. And um, let's see. Because cause he says uh, this thing here about multiple, uh, you know, multiple scenarios. Let me uh, hold on before I uh, get this thing going. Let me add uh, Mike back on here on this thing here. So, we, so he's on this thing. But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I'm seeing through uh, this thread. Okay. Um because he's because Bruce is talking about a lot of stuff, but also this is the same Bruce Trampler that a few hours ago retweeted what the same video yeah. that I just posted from okay. Tyson Fury. So, what is it that Bruce Trampler? Is actually stating here. Listen, let let let's 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 talk about something. What happened with Tyson Fury this week? What his wife? No. Um. <laughs> pray for Israel. So. Uh oh. Uh, you now you see where I'm going. Oh, okay. you mean that? You oh, you talk about conspiracy? Oh, yes, yes. yes. So, Ooh. Tyson Fury was dominating the sports news cycle because he went from Mister Free Palestine to pray for Israel, and the backlash did not stop after he tried to lie and say someone else posted it from his account. 
some unknown person get off of my account. Like, he thought the public was stupid, okay? Just like he thought the public was stupid when he tested positive for Nandrolin, but all of a sudden he was depressed and was on a coke bench for two years. But whatever. Um, so he was dominating the news cycle for all the wrong reasons, okay? And now he makes this video, this proclamation, the fight's on, guys! No one's talking about the Israel-Palestine controversy anymore. All we're talking about is, wow, guys, the fight is signed for August 14th in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. What he's doing is washing the news cycle. Oh, so he's trying to wash his hands over all that. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Um, So back to this Bruce Trampler guy. And this Hall of post- Famer Bruce Trampler. Come on, show him some respect. You saying all right, hold, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like he's a nobody. Maybe- hey wait a minute who who's the writer that's a hall of favor uh it's bruce trampler baby who's that guy that's a hall of favor that i keep saying dressing as a hall of favor oh (laughs) oh my god i can't even think of his name right now oh me neither i don't know man i don't believe it but um uh, let me see. So, even in that particular thread, there's something there that kind of like says that okay, um, that Bruce made the statement that Fury has a pay per view in July, and that came from him. Okay, Bruce, in a response, said, "Quote: Very fluid situations. Didn't mean to mislead you." Fury Joshua or Fury Wilder, Bud defending against Manny. Every day is a new story. Bear with us. So, as of yesterday, you're telling me Bruce Trampler confirmed that Fury Wilder is still on the table. That's what I got out of what you just read. I don't think it's really still on the table. I really don't. You hope it's not because you hate no, Deontay I, No, here's the thing. If Here's the thing about it, right? What have I said in reference to the procedure with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? That it's what? The term that keeps coming up is arbitration, right? Mm-hmm. Now, with arbitrations, that is usually for something in reference to a settlement. No, 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 no. That's and not a true. resolution. That is not true. Oh, there, it's not? There are two types of arbitration according to the American Courts Association. Okay. And I did look this up. You have the binding arbitration, which is whatever the arbitrator rules both parties are legally bound to it and it can only be appealed in a court of law under very, very, very narrow circumstances. Okay. And then what you have is non-binding arbitration where 
basically the ruling that the arbitrator makes is more of an advisement, but both parties have to sign off on it. Okay. From what I was told, Wilder and Fury has binding arbitration. So if the arbitrator rules that Deontay Wilder is indeed owed a third match, then that is what's going to happen. It has nothing to do with a monetary settlement. Okay, but here's the thing on that. Where is the confirmation that this procedure is in reference to a third match? Uh, that's everything we've heard from Deontay Wilder in his interview with Brian Custer. Um, also, that's everything we heard from Frank Warren and Bob Arum, where their position was that the third match expired. If it was just about money, it would have been settled by now. And also, if it was just about money, it would not be holding up Joshua versus Fury. But as we've seen with how long Joshua versus Fury uh, is taking to officially announce and put pen to paper, arbitration is a huge factor. Could the arbitrator say he he's rewarded a third fight, but it not be the next fight? Well, the arbitrator can say what he wants. I mean, he's the he's the he's the arbitrator. But um, from my understanding, he's going to interpret the language of the contract, and the language of the contract called for an immediate rematch. So I don't anticipate. Uh, the arbitrator saying, well, he gets the third match, but it doesn't have to be next. I don't anticipate that. There's a reason why Deontay Wilder uh, is back down in Alabama training because it's go time. <laughs> blood in my eye. <laughs> he wants revenge and he wants it in blood. Glass of glass, eye for eye. Oh my God! Back, oh baby. man, I, I wish I wish I still had that video on cue. Yeah, we back, baby. The thief is going to oh, get God. what he has coming to him. He don't need no <laughs> tune up, bro. What he need a tune up for? I mean, that beat down was bad. I'm just saying. Oh, why? Because Fury punched him in the back of the head. And, oh, and here we three. go. And threw my, off its equilibrium for the for the rest of the fight. My what are the ears that still again? here. And if you look at the training videos that Deontay Wilder has been doing, he's been very focused on avoiding the hook, which is the punch that landed to the back of the head that hit him <laughs> in. Okay, like we're back. We're back. Like I don't. I don't. Jr. Laughing. But y'all all are going to be crying later. I'm telling you that right now. We back. The bomb squad is back in full effect. Oh, I wish I had, I wish I had laugh tracks available, man. Because y'all. Right. All right. All right. Oh, laughing. my God. Y'all keep laughing. We back, baby. Oh, my God. We back. The Yo, king of Boston is back. Listen. We still we still have that side bet available with that rumor report. 
So I'm waiting because this supposed uh, decision on the arbitration is supposed to be coming within the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. So yep. that is the What's case. The huh? Oh, side bet is that the thing is, is that Mr. Matthew Brown of MVO has held on to the notion that Fury is going to fight Wilder next. While all of these other indications have leaned toward Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua for the undisputed heavyweight championship. So he said that once arbitration comes down, then it would probably be released that Fury is not going to fight Anthony Joshua and will fight Deontay Wilder. And so we're going to have a live on Facebook where Matthew Brown, if, 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 and this is a very, very big if, he is right, that on Facebook Live, he is going to laugh for at least five minutes straight. Because he would feel that he is right, that he is vindicated, and that quote unquote justice has been served, supposedly. Oh, no, no, no. Justice won't be served until Tyson Fury is stretched out of the ring after Deontay Wilder cracks that egg head of his. That's when justice will be served. But this is just the next step on the Bomb Squad Revenge Tour. Remember I told you about this revenge tour. All enemies of the bomb squad shall have no good happen to them. Okay? And that's what's been happening. That's what's been happening. And now Deontay Wilder is going to get his third match. It's going to be in July. It's going to be on pay-per-view. And he will avenge that loss that Kenny Bayless, that crab in the barrel referee. <laughs> the crab in the bucket referee and yes. disloyal trainer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he will avenge that loss. <laughs> I agree with everything with Matt saying. But don't you have to have a Facebook account to do that though? I got a Facebook account. Okay. All right. You gonna add me back again? Account. You gonna add me back as your friend again? Yeah. If I can find you. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Oh, my God. I got a secret account. I'm just not trying to get reported, you know? I don't want to get banned from Facebook again because I don't have any more fake phone numbers to use to make a new account. Oh, man. Oh, so, supposedly, either July 24th or July 31st, Mr. I think Matthew- it'll be 24th says that that pay-per-view will take place. Yep. We shall see. And once we get this result, the whole world will bear witness to what happens. But for now, we have an undisputed title fight scheduled for August 14th. And with that being said, that is what we got for the heavyweight division. And Deontay Wilder right now seems to be holding the proverbial 
bag. And on that note, that brings an end to this podcast on May 16th, 2021. Big thanks for everybody that has contributed to this particular episode. And we will be back at it once again next week as we go over that undisputed super lightweight title fight between Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor. And like I say at the end of every show, folks, the point of boxing is to hit and not get hit, not to stand and trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. That was pretty confident there, man. I'm kind of surprised at that, but we'll see what happens. Thanks, everyone. We out.